This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of November 8th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my partner, Jim Allen, and our special guest this week, Jason Koskri of the Japan Times. How you doing, guys? Doing well. Oh, good. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really appreciate you joining us this week. We're going to talk about the uh, Climax Series in both leagues. We're going to talk about new Hokkaido Nippon Ham, I'm laughing, Nippon Ham fighter skipper Tsuyoshi Shinjo, and a lot more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases! All right, so we're going to start in the Pacific League tonight, the Chiba Lotte Marines and the Rakuten Eagles. And the Marines move through. They win one game. They tie tonight, and they're moving on, and they're going to play the Buffaloes in the Climax Series in the second stage. I don't like to say final stage, but whatever. <laughs> Call it whatever it is. Uh, 5-4 was the, the score in the first game, and 4-4 tonight in game two uh, tie. And well, that was enough to help the Marines move through. I had some impressions from both the games. I want to hear what you guys have to say. First of all, game one, Noki Sasaki, he pretty much worked over the Eagles, 10 strikeouts in six innings, and he comes away with a no decision, mostly because the pen blew the lead in the first game, but the pen was really sharp tonight and uh, helped them go through by shutting everything down once the starter went out. Uh, that was Kazuya Ojima who went out tonight. But big home run in the first game, Adeni Echeverria uh, hits a solo blast. Off Yuki Matsui, of all people, who made it back from injury to pitch in the playoffs, but uh, served up that home run. And that's how uh, basically uh, game uh, one was won. Uh, what what was your biggest impression of the game? Uh, Jason, we'll start with you since uh, you're the guest. Well, I, you said that um, the bullpen blew the, the lead for Sasaki. I, I would say that Iguchi blew the lead for Tadahito Iguchi, the manager, blew the lead for Sasaki by leaving Kuniyoshi. And for as long as he did, he, he didn't really look that great anyway. And he, he got a bunch of base runners. And, I mean, he, he turned the, the unassisted double play, which just gave him room to walk some more batters and float the bases up again. <laughs> That's right. Before, before he, you know, finally gave up the big hit, like the big hit that drove in. I think Hiroaki Shimauchi drove in three runs, the bases mm-hmm. clearing double. And that's what Clear. knocked Sasaki out. And they and they needed Yuki, Yuki Matsu to just like serve up a meatball on the silver platter for Echevarria to like hit to the moon to get out of that yeah. game with a win. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But um, in that game, I, Roki Sasaki to me was, was the big, was a big story. He, he looked really good and, his control wasn't so so great all the time, and even he said so after the game. But you know, the manager, you know, he's like he, he pitched almost like an ace today, and you know he had a, a good velocity even late into the game. I know the big story is probably the ninety nine. He hit ninety nine three times, but he he had pretty you know consistent velocity throughout the game, and his other pitches were good. So I, I thought he was the story for me, and and again the. You know, the big home run, and the home run kind of makes you forget about it. Sato actually won the game with the Sayonara double, so, but right. it was Sasaki. Yeah. Uh, Jim? Yeah, same thing, and that, and the 159 kilometers per hour was the highest, the fastest pitch he's thrown yet, and he did it twice in the first inning, and he was sitting um, 
I think the last start we saw, he started out uh, 158, and then after about three innings, he was da- he was uh, he was sitting around 150, 152. So mm-hmm. this time he he pretty much never went below 155. So that was uh, that was an impressive uh, uh, showing for him. The other thing was again when he you know his control wasn't there, but when he needed it, he pretty much throws. You know, he just throws it straight down the middle and lets people try to take a swing at the heat or swing and miss at the splitter. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really effective for him because the you know it's it's almost it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, Masahiro Tanaka in 2013 when those two pitches were just so good that when he was in trouble, it was like okay, hit this, <laughs> you know, hit this, I dare you. So. So that was that. I kind of, I, I would kind of take exception to the Yuki Matsu pitches on meatball. It was it was a high fastball, but it had some zip on it. I thought. Yeah, but it was belt high, and it was right down the middle. It was, I mean, uh, it was higher than it was higher than belt high. It was up. It was, it was up. It at was the top right there the at the zone. belt, though. By the time was he, it? by the time, yeah, I, I watched. I made sure to to well, watch. Still, you know, still, the I mean, slow motion. Still, it was, was a good. The one today I, was around the belt. The one okay. to Echeverria was um a little high. The one today yeah. was lower. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I'm not talking about today. So I'm talking. About yeah, we're talking, we're talking about Yukimatsu giving up the home runs. That so, one yeah. was that one was high in the zone. It was above belt high. Yeah. Okay, but I I'm, I'm I know I was watching very carefully. It was right. I mean, if you want to say above the belt, that's fine. But anyway, it was anyway. It was it was, it was a pretty it was, good it was, fastball. It was, <laughs> it was it had some zip on it. I mean, you could. Well, you it could, had more zip on it when it was leaving the country. True, true. But I'm just saying that wasn't. You know, he stayed on that. He was he was ready for it, and he stayed on it. And that's not an easy pitch to do. Uh, and, you know, if it's a good fastball, that's one. You know, that's a pitch that was made to be popped up, and he was really good on it. So I I, I like the swing, but I want to give more credit to him than than to say you know it was a fat pitch that Matsu shouldn't have thrown. I okay. Think it was well, I had. So. Go ahead. Yeah, I had one comment. I, I know that because uh, I didn't really like the way Tadahito Iguchi used his pitchers in the series. It was short and sweet, but I, I'm with you, Jason. I was thinking Kuniyoshi really didn't look that good, and he basically had when he turned that unassisted double play by catching a, a popped up bunt and then running the ball all the way. What it was it about fifty feet? to the second base bag instead of throwing it to Echeverria. And look, Echeverria looked a little bit disgusted at that at that time. I don't know how many replays you got to see, but he, he kind of looked away thinking, geez, you know. And I think that it, what happened was the play before, uh, <laughs> the play, the, the bump before, uh, Kuniyoshi threw the ball. And it, it was a bad throw, but it wasn't bad enough that Echeverria couldn't catch it. In fact, I think it went off the heel of his glove. But I think Kuniyoshi didn't have the confidence in himself to throw the ball to second base again. So he just took, he caught the pop up and he ran it out to second base. Now, if I were the manager and I saw that, I would have yanked Kuniyoshi at that exact instant. And the reason is because if he didn't trust himself to throw the ball to second base, how could he trust himself to throw the ball to the plate? So as it turns out, he walked the next two guys and he really proved me right by walking those guys. So. I thought that was a key. And for me, Yuguchi kind of sitting on his hands at that point, 
cost him the lead. Now you didn't cost him the game, but what was your impression of that whole scenario? Well, I think the I think you're right. I think it was Iguchi, and I I think the key is his whole approach was I'm playing this the same way we approach a regular season game. Hmm. And that meant that when Kuniyoshi went out for the seventh inning, he didn't have another pitcher ready to go just in case. Because, <laughs> I because it's about a, that. Yeah, but it's a long, you know, because it's a long season and, you know, it's, you know, every game's every game. But this isn't every game is every game. And it's a three-game series or a two-game series. So why don't you have... You know why? Why do you want to be the next uh, Hiroki Kokobo and keep your reliever wait, <laughs> waiting to warm up until after you need him? <laughs> so, right, right. J- so, Jason, what did you think about that whole scenario? Uh, I sort of agree with Jim. He, he, I imagine he he just sent Kuniyoshi out there thinking, all right, he's going to get through the seventh, and then we'll we have we have our plan, and we're not going to deviate from our plan, and we're not even going to prepare to deviate from our plan. So. Now he's just out there on the island, you know, putting ba- putting runners on base. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't alone on that island. <laughs> he had a bunch of runners joining him. Uh, Hashtag high heat. <laughs> this is now. I mean, I wasn't rooting necessarily for either team. I had picked the Eagles for the upset, and so I was wanting to be right. But I I liked the the Marines all season long in terms of uh, what I saw from them. I, I knew they were a good team. So I'm watching this unfold and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm done with Kuniyoshi. I mean, he really was really, he, he was a mediocre kind of reliever with the base stars. I don't know that he's, he's not that great a control pitcher. He just has been a guy who has thrown hard and been able to get outs with his uh, velocity a lot of times. And now here he is walking guys and not having the confidence to throw the ball to second base, regardless of whose fault it was, you know, that the ball wasn't caught. You're out. I mean, uh, you're out. Fake an injury. I mean, do something, but get creative out there, Yuji-san. I don't know why uh, we had to see the bases, you know, full of runners again before Yuji made a move. So I, I thought the players saved him from this decision because it, it, I, didn't, I didn't think it was good, good playoff managing. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably about it. I. The Eagles were kind of, I, I, don't, I don't really have anything to say about the Eagles. I mean, they, they, you know, obviously they were outclassed. I mean, Norimoto was outclassed by Sasaki in the first game. And I mean, they're, they're, they're both, I mean, the, the, they had it pretty much figured out. I don't want to talk about game two, but you know, that was, that was the interesting thing. I think, I think the key point is all about Iguchi. I think it could it could very well be that that unassisted double play did more harm than good because maybe Iguchi probably figured okay you know we're going to get out of this inning right? we, now we've got two outs so the the crisis is averted whereas had he not gotten that and you, you, the inning looks like it's going to drag on maybe he would have kind of gotten somebody ready quick enough to and wasted enough time to do something different I'm not sure I don't I don't know but. I, I, I get the feeling they probably felt like, you know, we, we okay, we dodged a bullet here when he got that double play. Now there's two outs and mm. we got this guy on third, but we can salvage the inning now and well, let's just stay the course. And it kind of fell apart on him. And he still had time to get him out after he walked the guys to get on, to load the bases. Okay. 
All right, well, let's go to game two. Uh, and I thought the two managers really, they both kind of stuck with their starting pitchers a little bit too long here. I, I get the sense. And now, look, we, we just saw a series in which Masahiro Tanaka was saved for the third game, let's say saved, and didn't get to pitch. And the Eagles are, are done, and he's he's done. But, I, again, I just thought both managers just seemed to be sticking with their starting pitches a little longer than – for me, I mean, here's my philosophy. I'm, I, I think, especially in a three-game series, I'm going out by out thinking, when am I going to take this guy out? When are we going to get into trouble? When do I need to make a move to help the, the players along uh, and get through this game? And I just thought that there was no desperation on either side. I thought Kishi – Takayuki Kishi was in there a little bit long for the Eagles, and I thought the same about Ojima, and Ojima ended up giving up the uh, the lead late, and things look, I, I wouldn't say bleak, but things were not looking good at the time that he went out. So uh, for Leonis Martin to hit that ball, to, he hit the ball to the other moon, I suppose, because he hit it in the other direction as various shot uh, on, in game one, but he hits a ball to right field to get him even, and then the bullpen just really locked things down for the 4-4 tie. So, you know, there's nothing free in the play playoffs. You get no free bases, no free strikes, no no nothing. And it just seemed like Ojima was out there sometimes pitching around guys, sometimes uh, um, trying to get them to swing, you know, trying to fish and get guys to swing at, at, at pitches. And I, I just didn't think he was all that sharp. Maybe he got through the the third through the fifth innings. He didn't give up any runs, but he still didn't look great to me. And guys were getting good swings and getting making good contact. But uh, Jim, what did you see? Uh, what was your big impression that you took away from Game Two? Well, I and it goes back to it's, it's the same point. It's the mirror image of the same point. And I, you know, I was I had the 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 TV the sound on, and my buddy Yasuhiko Yabuta was the color guy. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, wow, you know, typically seventh inning, this is Kuniyoshi's time. You know? <laughs> and they're going, yeah, well, obviously, Iguchi's, you know, he's got, he's got his finger off the trigger today because he, of what happened yesterday. And then, okay, and then Kuniyoshi comes in with two out, two on and one out, and he, you know, he does, you know, he makes up for, his uh his uh, poor outing on Saturday and after the game Iguchi said, well that was my fault because I had planned to bring in Kuniyoshi in the seventh and I hesitated. Yeah. <laughs> so he said I have to you know I have to answer for that. So that was interesting. He said, but again and then he repeated. Of course, I I took my crib notes from what Iguchi said after the game, which was, we approach this like every other game of the season. We're not doing anything different. Well, yeah. I, I'm sure they'll reevaluate that when they get to Osaka. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jason, what did you what did you think about game two? I, I agree with you about um, Ojima. I, I thought that even though he had gotten to the, the late in the game, having only given up the two runs, I didn't think he looked that impressive and sort of waiting for them to kind of pull the plug on him and, and, and you know, get somebody else in and got a fresh arm and it looks good because you got basically at that point, I kind of felt like they just, they got away with having him on the mound and still having the game be where it was. Kishi, I actually thought um, got better as the game went on. Um, Cause 
the first the first couple of pitches he threw, I thought Martin was going to hit a home run in the first inning. I don't know why. Yeah. I was kind of, the way I looked at the way he pitched and the way Martin, Martin took that ball, I was like, he's going to hit a home run. And he ended up just hitting a double. It wasn't even close to a home run. But still, I, I thought they were going to be on Kishi. And he sort of kind of held them at bay for, I guess, as long as he could. And, yeah, he probably was in there a little bit too long. But the Rock 10 bullpen wasn't particularly impressive. So, you know, I guess you leave him out there for as long as you can afford to leave him out there. And, um, I think, yeah, like Jim said, it's kind of a mirror image of the first game. You know, they kind of go back and forth. Looks like Rock 10 is going to steal one. And then there's a big home run in the bottom of an inning given up by a reliever. Like you said, this one just went to the opposite direction. And that's how the, the Marines end up winning, the, well, tying the game, winning the series. Yeah, I thought I looked at the the Marines bullpen. I'm like, you know, there aren't a lot of there aren't any really left handers out there. And Jim pointed out in the preseason in the prediction show talking about how heavily left handed hitting the the Eagles are. And they were set up perfectly to do some damage against the bullpen, but they just really couldn't do it. And uh, that's a credit to all those right-handers out there in um, Chiba bullpen. They, yeah. they got the job done. Well, I, I think I, – I mean, I understand keeping – if you've got a choice to stick around with a lefty against the Eagles. Of course, they see lefties all year. It's not – they. you know, they're the one team that doesn't have the excuse of, well, we never see lefties. Right. <laughs> because they probably see – they probably face left-handed pitching 40, 40 to almost 50% of the time. The the thing is, you've got Ojima starting the inning against Ginjiro Sumitani. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, what are you saying in the dugout? Well, okay, well, let's get let's get one out here first. I mean, like, no way Sumitani takes him deep. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like the time I was in Thailand and there was a, a lizard crawling on the ceiling above our heads. And my, my ex-wife says, hey, that lizard might fall. And I said, no way, and flat. <laughs> one in a hundred yeah well yeah i didn't think so either i saw that i in fact again that was the game that i had the sound off on and i wasn't listening at all so i i said wow who's that that's a pretty nice swing and sumitani really has always had a really nice swing he just could never really find the ball that much and that often and he was on it today he was he had some really nice swings and made some good contact but that was kind of a shocker. And again, Ojima served up 10 hits and, and walked two. I mean, he really just never looked good to me. And they let him throw 115 pitches. And I just didn't think that was the right plan to get through. But I think it's even criminal that Masahiro Tanaka didn't see the mound in this series. What do you guys think about that? Because the playoffs are over and a really high-quality pitcher just watched from the sidelines. Jason? That could have been um, Ishii basically just outsmarting himself. We're gonna go in and win this game, and then we'll have Tanaka to to get us get us to Osaka. But you can't you can't you gotta win the game that you gotta win first. Because if you lose, you don't get to get Tanaka in unless there was something wrong with him. Then right. I don't know why you start why you start Kishi. You know you gotta get to game three to win game three, and they didn't get to game three, so. As you as you see as you said, it's kind of borderline criminal to have him on the on the on the, in the dugout and not pitching in this series at all. I, think I almost thought that he would pitch in relief today if if 
Kishi ran into trouble and, and they didn't even do that. What were you going to say, Jim? I was going to say that uh, this has been uh, a mirror of how he handled Kishi all year, which was, this is Kishi's, you know, you, you remember when uh, Tanaka got rained out of a start? He didn't pitch the next mm-hmm, day yes. because it was Kishi's start. You know, he waited until after Kishi's start. And that happened a couple of times when there was a disruption in the schedule that Kishi stayed on his rotation. Kishi had his days, period. And there's no conver- no discussion about moving it. And I think that was probably the critical factor there rather than, uh, you know, it was what's best for the team. But may- yeah, but and he might may have outsmarted himself. I don't know. If well, that would would be the case, would you is it would you say then that maybe maybe Kishi's had his days because he has his days because he's not as flexible. Like if you throw him off his routine, he's not as good. And maybe you can figure, okay, this is his day, and if we throw if we move him off of his day, he's not going to be any good in the next game. So let's just roll the dice, which I still think is the wrong decision because again, you got to get to game three to win game three. But maybe, right, I, maybe I think Kishi's I would not as flexible. Yeah, I think it was probably a case of he felt best about Norimoto, and then he wanted to make sure Kishi pitched before the, you know, again, I think he was, I think as John said, he was looking forward to the to the next series hmm. in, in one respect. I, well, you didn't say that, but I think that's part of the plan. Kishi's going to pitch on Sunday because then he'll be ready to go, you know, in the middle of the next series. I don't want to wait around on him. I want to make sure he he works on you know as as regular a rest as we can do it, and Norimoto's the best guy, so you know we'll just leave Tanaka one, and then keep he and then the plan with Kishi was keep him keep him regular, you know get get the make sure <laughs> the X lax out there. Wait, look. Exactly, exactly, and then go, but the thing is, is you, when you mentioned before, if the rain got him off a of schedule during the regular season, then he was all, he was off schedule. What, what would you know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Kishi who was off schedule. He moved everybody else to keep Kishi on schedule. He moved everybody to keep him. Okay. Well, uh, they got a, a whole new schedule now because their schedule's clear. That's right. They got, uh, they got fall <laughs> camp now. No problem. Kishi and Tanaka ain't gonna play. Do do no fall camp. Yeah. Well, I tell you this. I did like what the Marines did. They looked really sharp in terms of. You know, when they needed to play small ball, they, they, they were able to execute those bunts and do the things that they needed to do in terms of that. When they needed a big hit uh, in terms of a, a power hit, a home run or whatever it is they needed, they were down a run. They were able to tie the score a couple times in these games. So uh, I, I, I like the way they played. I like the way they competed. They're guys who don't have... Um, you know, the biggest names. Koki Yamaguchi hits a home run today and goes oppo with it. And uh, Toshiya Sato, I think we talked about him last year, or the, was it the previous year? I think he was a rookie last year. So we talked about him last year on the show and how he could hit, but there really wasn't any room for him with all the catchers they had. Then they brought in a catcher from the Dragons and they start him in the series in Takuma Kato. And, uh, but Sato ends up winning the game for them in uh, game one late in the game. So the guy can hit, and I think they're going to find at least roles for these guys as the playoffs move on. But let's take a look now since they're going to take on the the pennant-winning Buffaloes. Uh, Jason, as they get get ready for this series now, uh, how do you see the series going? I'm I'm looking at the fact that I think 
the Marines still have some good start, some quality starting pitchers to go up against the, especially because the series only took two games. They have some quality pitchers to go up against the Buffaloes to open up against uh, Yamamoto and Miyagi. Right. I, that's what I, I thought um, before before game two. I thought that it was good. That game two is going to be like really, really big for the Marines because if they could win it, then <clears throat> instead of Ishikawa, Ayumu Ishikawa having the pitch in game three, he was going to get to, they were going to get to throw a quality pitcher up against the Buffaloes who are, who are going to be throwing Yamamoto. And there's not going to be much room for error error against him, especially when you have that already, they're up one game to nothing anyway. Right. So I think it's big for them to be able to almost steal a day of rest for somebody and then also be able to have Ishikawa ready and then you have your, you still have your other pitchers to go and maybe you can get back around and still be in good shape in the series. So I think their pitching is as, as it's a, a favorable position as they can be in at this point by winning this series early. Jim, uh, no, I'm I'm right with that. I think, uh, yeah, having Ishikawa is big. Miyagi, you know, uh, uh, Miyagi Daikitajima. I think you can mix and you can take one or the other. I I don't really think Miyagi is really any better, uh, especially at this start stage of the season. He's been pretty lackluster the second half of the year, although maybe rest was what he needed but that's three that's three really good starters the marines are it's going to be it's going to be tough for them uh, but uh, i like you know they're in, as jason said they're about the best position they possibly can be in so go marines <laughs> yeah the the starting pitching i think is one deal but i i just like the way like i was saying that the the marines can compete and i'm not sure I mean, we've seen a lot of it uh, in the past years, but under Nakajima, uh, Satoshi, Satoshi Nakajima, the Oryx manager, I'm not so sure that the Buffaloes are going to spend a whole bunch of time bunting because I don't think a lot of the guys throughout the lineup can really do it well. So I think that we're going to see more aggressive kind of uh, approach to, to trying to score runs and putting guys in action, like putting guys in action on the bases. Um, hit and run, run and hit, that kind of stuff more than just a straight sacrifice. But um, I, I think the Marines can play any kind of ball. I think they're kind of the poor man's soft bank in the, in the sense that if, if they need that bunt, just about anybody in the lineup can get it for them. If they need an extra base hit, somebody can produce that as well. And that's where I see, I mean, we really complimented the Buffaloes all season long for riding that ship and, and being able to uh, make plays when they're supposed to and, and make the plays that they're supposed to and not just bumble the ball and make poor base running decisions constantly costing themselves games. But it's a new season. This is the playoffs, and I think a lot of guys with no experience are going to be out there, and it's going to be different. And I think the Marines just seem, I don't know, they just seem ha- to have a little bit more calmness to them. They didn't look panicked at all in this series. They played calmly, even though a lot of their guys don't have playoff experience as well you're right about oryx they were last in sacrifice bunts this year although they were only last by three but they were last well i yeah. think they i mean they they you know this is a team that was managed by norifumi nishimura the guy the guys know how to bunt because that's all they used to ever do 
but that doesn't mean they're good at it. They, they might know how to do it, but executing, in, especially in the time of need when the when the chips are down, that that's different. That's true. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to play so far off of your strengths. I mean, that you know you're trying to do things that you haven't practiced for, or or you're not mentally prepared for. I mean, that remains to be seen. Obviously, okay. you have to you have to. I guess the key to the playoffs is a knowing that mistakes can be overcome and they're not the end of the world. And so if they happen, they happen and, you know, stay aggressive. And the other one is, the other one is to be ready for anything because as, you know, as we talked about with Iguchi, you know, this isn't the regular season. One game can, can kill you. So, you don't want to manage like, well, if he blows it, it'll be a good lesson for tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. All right, uh, predictions. Quickly, uh, Jim. I'll go with Oryx. It's just simply a, a, a thing I'd like to see Oryx in the Japan series. I don't have a real reason to think that they're a vastly better team. But uh, okay. I, like, you know, I like both of these teams. I think they're pretty. it's going to be a fun series, I think. Sure. Jason. I pretty much feel the same way. Uh, I don't. I think Oryx is better. I don't think Oryx is better by a gigantic margin. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be the buff. I think that one game advantage is going to be pretty big for them. And I think they'll yeah. win. Yeah. And of course, the ties play in a long series with the ties. They could have two ties. Sure, sure. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I do like the Oryx Buffaloes in this series, uh, but I do have concerns about a their bullpen. Still, I think they're just going to jumble guys around until they they're going to Yahtzee these guys until they find a couple who are working. And then I think at the back end of the series, when the Marines can bring out some of their top pitchers again, who threw in this recent series in the first round, I think it evens things up. So I think it's going to be close, and I do think it's, we're going to be talking about the game, uh, you know, games maybe going to a decisive uh, sixth game on the field or seventh game, if you want to call it that. So, uh, but I do like Oryx as well. All right, let's move to the Central League. That's where the Giants really, um, they really caused a lot of consternation in the, in the Osaka region and all everyone down there. Uh, by waking up, it's like I'm going to bring up the cockroach thing again, Jim, because uh, you seem to be fixated on that <laughs> on that example. But uh, they, they looked dead in the water and they come out and they I mean, for the past, I don't know, month and a half or so, they just really didn't look like they were the Giants. And I, we kept using the word weird. I think we used bizarre a few times. We we said this is not normal. Uh, we talked about all the things that were wrong, but. Uh, and then they went into the series losing uh, their cleanup man. Uh, Kazuma Okamoto was out with a rib cage injury on his left side, so he couldn't even play. And everything's looking bad. And they go in and sweep this series from the Hanshin Tigers, the second place Hanshin Tigers, and for nothing to get the shutout. And I mean, Tomoyuki Sagano was just too good in game one, so I, I don't blame him for that. And in game two, uh, they had their chances. They put a bunch of runners on base. They had opportunities. They just couldn't come through with the hits. But they played good enough defense, and you can't blame anything except that the Giants played better and won. And I, I think my biggest impression from this series was Tatsunori Hara, I think the past, I don't know, the whole second half of the season seemed to be glum and ho-hum and 
I mean, we can only see half of his face, but it wasn't smiling. And all of a sudden, his players started to play like they that the way he expected, and his whole aura changed. And he was, did you see his face? I mean, it was like, I think halfway through game one, he was like, yes. Yes, this is the way I wanted to see these guys play all season, and it's happening. It's happening. This is amazing. It's happening. It was like something out of a movie or something like that. He just really had so much fun watching the team. Well, the uh, you know, speaking of teams that don't bunt, you know, we think of Har, Har is such a pre-programmed manager, and I <laughs> and I I don't mean that in any bad way. I mean that in a sort of objective way. He's you know the 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 way he. The, one of the things he's good at is organizing, like, plays. You know, as, as, instead of a football playbook, he's got a Hara playbook. In this situation, this is what we're going to do. In this situation, this is what we're going to do. He's got all, you know, he's got his, his defensive plans and his offensive plans, usually involving a pinch runner or, or something. And, you know, and the, the team knows these things. And this is a, this is a strength Rather than you know, it's it's not. I guess the opponents know it as well, but they execute it so well. You know, when it comes to the bunt and and moving the runners and things in these specific plays, everybody knows what to do. There's no miscommunication. There's no sort of wasted energy, and that makes them good. Uh, that makes them probably better than they should be in the playoffs when other teams are sort of trying to figure it out a little bit. Gives them a little edge, and. You know, he's the guy who basically. I, actually, I think the reason he he was last, I think the the Giants bunted less than any team in Japan uh, last year, or at least any team in the Central League, was because he pinch it for his pitchers almost every time they came up in the in the uh, order. Last year or this? this no, this, this year. This year. Season. This past season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm not. I wasn't surprised to. But I was, you know, instead of having his pitchers bunt in this series, he's got Maru bunting and he's got Zealous Wheeler bunting and everybody's bunting. You know, and it's it's sort of like, aha, fooled you. We're the <laughs> sacrifice in old school, you know, old school, old guy, play it the right way, Yomiri Giants again. Jason, what was your impression from the series? Or from that heart? That Tatsunori Hara likes to manage, and what I mean by that is, in and I I I want to say that Jim said this on one of the shows, and I'm sorry if Jim didn't say this, but he said something to the effect like Hara likes to you know show you that he's smarter than you. Kind I've of, said like, that. In, I've said like, that many times. Yeah. And that and maybe it's because I I was around Wayne so much. I've the Giants are the team I've I've been around the most, and Hara he he just he loves to be able to like manage and so like show you that he can manage and i remember when the major leaguers were here the manners were playing and he was like beside himself that they were bad in mitch hanniger number two because he was bad in sakamoto number two he said see this i'm using this major league strategy they're doing this that thing that i'm doing here <laughs> so great or whatever but and again it's i don't i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that he does this i think it's fine but um I think in this series you saw that you saw Hara just doing things like he he did things all year like he he would take a picture out if he if the guy breathed the wrong way and, and you know I think I, I think you're being harsh on the nose. pitchers I think he didn't I think he if he anticipated they would breathe the wrong way <laughs> he liked making moves and he, he yep. saw him do all kinds of stuff in this series but and and 
I don't know who said it, but someone, it was like, Yano managed the series, and kind of going back to what you were saying about Tadahito Iguchi, he managed the series like it was one of the one, one game out of 143. And Harb managed the series like it was one game out of three. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, we've got to do, we've got to do something now because there might not be a tomorrow. And I thought that this series was kind of tricky for the Tigers because of Sugano, because if they got a Sugano, Sugano performance, then it was, they may lose. And, Anything can happen when you've got to win two games in two days, and you, as you saw today. So I sort of thought it was, you know, Tatsunori Hara just being very, I don't want to say it was creative, but aggressive and proactive. And it, it happened to work today. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I think he was, you know, pretty proactive, and he's not really afraid to put players in, Unfamiliar, unfamiliar positions to the people who are watching the games because you you wouldn't expect to see Maru bunting or 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 zealous bunting, but I guess as Jim said, they know what he wants, and so it's not a surprise to the players. It just looks like a surprise to all of us because we're not you know in all of their practices and in all of their meetings, and so I, I think that's actually a good thing about her. It doesn't mm-hmm. always work, but when it does, it, he he does things like today and pulls off two wins against the Tigers. Well, Jason, uh, I remember you you ran a gift when uh, Blake Griffin went from uh, the Detroit Pistons to the New Jersey Nets, and all of a sudden he was dunking again, and you put that gift on, on Twitter with uh, uh, Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory, I think it was, where he was limping and had a cane, and he was walking up to this building, and then all of a sudden he threw the cane aside, and he was walking fine and dancing, and that's the way we saw Tomoyuki Sugano because he had limped through the entire season. And then, uh, you know, Jim and I talked last week about the fact that perhaps nobody would, other than a blood relative, uh, get to throw that 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 third inning or fourth inning. And Sugano was perfect through the first four innings of this game, game one. And I thought, okay, well, I thought maybe Hara might have somebody ready and was going to be willing and ready to take him out at any moment, but he pitched so well through the first four that he just let him go. And so when Sugano gave up a couple hits in the fifth, well, one in the fifth and one in the sixth, it really wasn't a big deal and and they let him throw. And uh, I was just amazed at how he was pitching after seeing him to struggle the whole season. And he throws seven innings and doesn't allow a run, uh, two hits allowed and a walk and hit a batter. But, he looked pretty good. So, th- I mean, they were just better when the chips again were down. And then again today in game two, I don't, I, I don't know that it was anything in particular. The, the, they, the, the Giants just kept changing pitchers when they, when they, they say, okay, this one's broken, this one's done, let's get a new one. And they, they, they shifted enough or brought in enough guys to get it to the ninth inning. Now, I don't think Tiago Vieira looked very good. He didn't certainly didn't look good in game one. He was shaky again, like a wet dog in the winter today and in game two, but he got the job done. And that's something to keep an eye on as they go on. I think if he's called on to save games, that they're going to have to have somebody ready because he, he might he might put the winning runs or tying runs or he might cost them a game even. But, he, you know, they got the job done. And I just want to focus on the Tigers for a minute. I I don't know what to say. I, I, I just don't trust this team. I don't know what it is, if it's snake-bitten, because there's a bunch of talent. But at the end, there was no guy like Tomoyuki Sugano who could come out there. It, like the narrative in the first game was that 
uh, Haruto Takahashi had not given up any runs to the Giants in 16 innings. And well, who cares? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the the playoffs. But I'm like, that's the worst thing. Like I, when my teams are in streaks, I always want let let's lose one game so we don't have the streak hanging over uh, us when we go into the playoffs. Because I don't like that kind of thing. It's guys start to play for that instead of doing their jobs. And um, it, I've been on the court. I've been on in teams that where guys are thinking about other things than what they're supposed to do. They're thinking about the end, and you can't get to the end unless you play the middle. And I just don't like that kind of thing. But, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? Probably not much of a, at all. He he had the 16-inning streak. It disappeared quickly, and they lost the game, and then they lost again today, and they're gone. And It's got to be tough for Hanshin Tigers fans. I, I sent out a tweet. I didn't even really congratulate the Giants because they did play really well, but uh, I just felt bad for the Tigers fans. Well, I think, I think Haruto, I mean, if I had a choice, I would – 100% go with Haruto Takahashi in game one. I don't think there's any, it's sort of like, it's not a silly thing. I thought, I like the Tigers had all the pieces, but again, the, I, I, I really don't want to put too much into it because I, I, I didn't get enough out of it to make any sort of reasoned judgment. And I'd just be talking out of someplace I shouldn't be talking out of, but we do know, and and I'll mention this going forward. I, I don't think the Tigers blew it as much as you know they just sort of didn't have it. You know they didn't have the the right juice at the right time, and they didn't get on the right pitches. It was a case of obviously in game two. It was a case of you know we we let two runners on. The, you know the game fell apart when the leadoff runners got on an errors when there was an error charged. So and that sort of like sank them and. You know, I, I talk a lot about the, how the tiger, Tigers are run by the media, and I, I, I kind of want to blame the media for the players, you know, you know, making poor pitches or balls getting finding holes, you know, after those things happen. But, you know, that's human. And But, uh, but again, I know the Tigers fans will be like, well, gee, you know, we the Tigers gave up 67 unearned runs this year, which was like 20 more than any other team in Japan. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, there's a script. The Tigers, whether they play for the media or what, there's a script that goes with the Tigers, which is, you know, when they lose, somebody's at fault. You know, there's a, there's a, there's, there's something that's causing this terrible thing to happen because we're the best team and we should be winning and there's and so when sometimes when bad things happen it's almost like ah here's the excuse i don't and i and i don't want to put anything on the players i thought they played hard i thought they tried their best and it you know things didn't turn out their way but it just seems like that's the narrative and i expect that's going to be the narrative from the tigers fans you know we blew it you know, we had everything and we blew it or, you know, the errors killed us and it's all the fault, you know, look for easy excuses. I, I don't think there is an easy answer to this, I, uh, but it is, it, it has that echo chamber bit with the Tigers, you know, like, oh, the errors or, or this reason or that reason or whatever. But I, I certainly, what I do expect is a lot of blame because if you play for the Tigers and you don't, perform as expected what you can expect is to be skewered 
Ouch. <laughs> Jason, uh, would you, how much of the series or yeah, the games did you get to see? Not, not, not much because NPB has yet to discover that you can start a game at one or two o'clock and then start the other one at five or six o'clock. Yeah, this was yeah. Like I got two eyes, but they don't go in different directions, people. So so yeah, you know, I was I was you know in the at the top of Zozo Marine Stadium. So I saw some of it you know, at my um. So I caught some of it online. Saw a bunch of the the like the the baseball digest of it, and I saw some. I saw the errors and the leadoff the leadoff runners getting on and then coming back around and scoring. Yeah, that's that's. That's tough. I mean, you, you can't. You just can't make those mistakes. That well, you can make some mistakes, but you're going to pay for those mistakes more in this time of the year because it's, there's a finite. It's a finite series. It's not one game out of 143. It's one out of three, and for them, it was one out of one because you've got to win. You can't afford to lose. So, I don't know why they seem to always make mistakes, and I, I think it come. I think the narrative is there because they make a lot of mistakes. They commit a ton of errors and. Where they were last for what four years running now, they've had the most in the league. So I, I think it's I don't know what the what the issue with that team is or why they can't get it together. Or it maybe it does seem outsized because it's Hanshin, but I'm not entirely sure about that because the numbers do bear out that they do commit more than other teams and they let in a lot of runs that otherwise they may not have let in. So yeah, I'm 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 kind of. I don't know. Maybe, like Jim said, they just whatever it is, they just didn't have it at the right time. But they do, they do make their bet to an extent. And it's you know after such a, a solid season from them this year, I'm pretty sure they're they're crushed that it ended the way it did. Yeah, I'm I'm I have to agree with you guys there. And like I said, I do think they got outplayed, and I do think there was a little bit of break, Blake Griffin, Gene Wilder going on there. <laughs> guys who were half dead like popped to life and, <laughs> and started beating up on them so that that kind of thing happens it's a really short series and in, in the playoffs it's live or die and i and i think there was desperation they just they just weren't able to come through so now we've got the giants playing the swallows in the tokyo derby and that'll be at jingu and who do you like there jason I like the, I like the swallows. Just they they were they're playing better lately. In the first half of the season, I would have liked the Giants. In the second half of the season, the swallows play better down the stretch. Um, and plus, we don't know if Okamoto is going to be able to play or not. That's um, although you know, moving to a a more, I guess, offensive park, that you can get away with that a little bit more. Although even though they got away with it. And at Koshien, but um, the pitching is going to be an issue because you know Sugano's Sugano's Sugano, but he's not going to be pitching for a couple of days, and you got to piece something together. And you know, and the Yaku is a really really good offense, and yeah, how they're going to limit the runs is going to be important. And the downside about Natasunori Hari uses a lot of pitchers, but that means a lot of guys are going to be kind of taxed, and he's that's something you've got to concern yourself with in a long series is you're getting their guys rest so they're not gassed in game four and game five if you even get that far so i just i like the way the swallows played over the second half of the season i don't i don't think this this break is going to be enough to have cooled them down that much maybe they get off to kind of a slow start but i like their offense and i'm not as high on the guys who are after sugano maybe yamaguchi has a good game and 
maybe Mercedes does, but I think it's there for the Swallows, and I think they'll probably win it. Okay, Jim? Yeah, uh, Mercedes and Yamaguchi, we don't know, and if they, they could you know, they could like today, like on 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 Sunday, they could be like uh, you Takahashi, and you know, and breathe wrong, and you're he's gone. You know, so so uh, breathe Yomi, in your nose. Well, well, that's you know, that's certainly we saw we've we've watched this evolution of Tatsunori Hara's postseason managing, which is if your name isn't Sugano, I don't want to see you out there in the fourth inning. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have starting pitchers on this team. All right. Unless, so who you got? Uh, I like the Swallows and the Swallows. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The Swallows are the anti-Tigers in this respect. That? Well, the Tigers, you know, they, they're a team that's really built around pressure. You know, they pressure the players. Uh, they, they emerge, uh, immerse the players in media pressure. Mm-hmm. And you know, and they, there's the whole scapegoat religion around the team that the Swallows players don't have to deal with. Uh, both of the managers, Akira Yano and and Shingo Takatsu, are very low pressure guys. Very matter of fact, uh, on an emotional level, they're very much even keel guys. Okay, but there's a difference between playing for the Swallows and playing for the Tigers, which is. You know, they don't have that extra baggage in a game. If we lose, we lose. Nobody's worried about what the media is, you know, nobody's going to skewer the Swallows players if they make an error that costs them a game. Sure. Okay. Uh, Okay. So I like the Swallows. I think their offense is fine. I think uh, I love their pitching. Uh, I think, well, obviously their pitching is the best in the Central League without, I, I, I think you have to go a long way to argue that it ain't. And... The offense is 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 as good as uh, it, it's it's right up there as well. Okay, uh, I, I think there's a really interesting dynamic going on in this series that or that will take place in this series. One is that we got a team like the Giants that has been smug, haughty, looked down on the rest of the teams in Japan, and um, this season has been a, like a come to Jesus kind of season for them in that they just really haven't been that good. They haven't been able to look down on the rest of the teams. They've uh, they've spent most of the season actually looking up at, at a couple or at least a couple teams. And now they're going up against a team that has been one of those teams that has always looked up, not always, but especially in recent years has looked up at the rest of the teams in the Central League. And so you've got this team without confidence against this team that's highly confident. And I think that's the under... Uh, lying's backstory that's happening uh, with the Giants who are going to go in there thinking, you know, we can really win this series. Whereas I think the Swallows are going in thinking, I wonder if we can really win this series. And I think we're going to see how that plays out. Now, I I don't know that it's going to have any impact on the actual results themselves. Probably not. But I think there could be, if if this series goes all the way to the games on the field, goes all the way to the decisive game, uh, I, I'm interested to see if the Swallows players can come through when the pressure is on or if the Giants players come through when the pressure is on. That's what I'm going to be looking at. But I do think the Swallows get to go through, and I think we're going to see the Swallows and Buffaloes, the two teams that did the dual worst, worst to first 
runs and the, the, for the first time in NPV, and they're going to have fun in the Japan series. But it's it's gonna, it's a long road and it's going to be fun. But we got to move on because we're running out of time. <laughs> I want to make one last comment about this, and I, I made it sure. on my uh, my newsletter this week, which is that if uh, I know John John may remember 2004 when the Pacific League started its playoffs. I was in America. Okay, maybe then neither of you remember. 2004, when the the beginning of the season, the Pacific League announced its playoff season, or I guess in the, the winter. And uh, Tsuneo Watanabe, who was still then the owner of the Giants, he was the owner of the Giants until uh, most of the way through that season when he had to quit over a scandal. And he said, if the Pacific League sends a sub-500 team to the playoffs and the Giants win the Central League, we should boycott them. Okay. Alrighty. Yep. Okay, well, we've had two third-place teams. We had a 75-win Chiba Lotte Marines in 2010, and we had a 73-win DNA Bay Stars third-place team reach the Japan Series. But if the Giants win... They will be the first sub-500 team in the Japan Series history. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> so take so that. Take that. Exactly. Take that cigar and smoke it. <laughs> All right. Making a four-seam transition uh, on Wednesday, we had the press, uh, the presser for Tsuyoshi Shinjo, uh, the, the new, and I say this laughing, uh, because it was very entertaining, uh, as much of it as I could stand. Uh, the new Nippon Ham Fighters manager, he was named this past week. And uh, I slammed the choice as Kiyoshi Nakahata 2.0, but this the, the, the former DNA skipper was never truly a clown show like we saw in the Wednesday presser with... Uh, Shinja. So I, it was somewhere between drunk Elvis in a cheap Vegas cocktail lounge and a two-bit comedy club routine, after which you asked for a refund. I mean, it was, I mean, the big collar, there was enough starch on that collar to float Queen Mary. Um, anyway, he said, call me big boss. He said a lot of stuff in the, in, in the press. The press are, we're pressed for time here, so I, I'm sure you guys had a lot to say about this, but I want your biggest takeaways from that press conference and from him he had a lot to say and i know jim did uh yeoman work in going through every every comment and translating the entire presser and getting that on his blog so but i want to start with jason what, what was your biggest impression coming away from that press conference well first of all i i was thoroughly entertained the whole way through um i i one of the biggest is that they cannot have hire him to manage to to win any games <laughs> he's gonna win and, hearts he doesn't have to win again, games <laughs> and i think that that's why they and that's why they hired him to to win hearts and keep the fans happy and entertained and all of that but and maybe and again it is this is totally unfair to him he could be a good manager who knows i don't know maybe he will be or or maybe they'll put a good enough staff around him that he can just sort of be Shinjo in the front and then everyone else can kind of manage the team in the back and who knows it may work out I don't know but I don't I feel like this is more fan service than you know winning service because there's a lot of people they could have gone out and hired um I, he says he wants to he's not aiming for winning the championship which sounds weird but you know in a weird way it kind of makes sense I think he's just like taking some of the pressure off the players in that 
in that way. And maybe that could be good. You could, hey, don't you don't worry about just worry about getting better. Just worry about developing. Just worry about your craft and your skills. Don't worry about the standings. That kind of thing. You know, you right. want to win, but you also got to develop some of these because they've got some guys they need to develop and some young players. And if he's taking the pressure off of them in that way, you know, that's that's the, that's a good thing. And if and in the same vein, if if they're going to lose a lot of games like they did this year, you know, you've got Shinjo to just kind of distract everyone from all of that. And so no one's really focused on the losing. They're like, what what's he doing today? What's he doing now? And, you know, these guys can sort of just they can just they can get better. They can have their what growing pains or whatever and take their lumps and in peace and with not that I don't think there's a whole a ton of media pressure on the fighters anyway, but he's gonna if that's gonna take some of the pressure off of those guys and gonna be a, a net positive, that's great. I, but I and my initial reaction is that they hired him to be, you know, full on fan service and maybe hey, follow us to everybody who lives in Sapporo, follow us to Kita Hiroshima and don't be mad that we're leaving Sapporo Dome and hey look, we've got Shinjo here now, so Everybody be happy and don't worry about the standings. Okay. Jim. Yeah, I was, uh, at first I, I, my response was, you know, you, you gotta be kidding. And then, <laughs> which I explained last week. And then when I saw the press conference, I was halfway between, uh, be, between you, Jason and you, John, and that I found it at some points so weird and some of the stuff he said so unexpected that mm-hmm. it's it's sort of like said, hold on a second, he can't be saying this. He can't be doing this. Okay, even though I remember Shinjo as a player, and I for since you know since he came up as a as a teenager, uh, it was it was that I was that in that mode, and so I just I just sort of I couldn't comment on it at first. And that's why I did the the transcript, you know, with pretty much without comment. I guess the weirdest thing about the whole thing was the press, the media, not the the beat the the te- the uh, newspaper guys, because only one newspaper guy asked a question in the entire press conference. It was all TV people. Hey, big boss, what do you think about napkins? Man, do I love well, it was made for it was a made for TV press conference. So yeah. I know it was all about the it was all about the TV guys shuck, uh, sucking up to their new TV star. So, uh, so there was that. That was probably the weirdest thing, and especially the the one kiss ass who decided, "Hey, aren't you guys going to applaud for these people?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going. You know, that was the thing that really got me um, to you know, reaching for my nausea medicine. It wasn't so much what Shinjo said because Shinjo, then when eat? I, yeah. And then when I realized what he was saying is he basically, he gave a cue when he was talking about baseball, when he was talking about real stuff, you know, he wasn't winking. He wasn't giggling. He was looking serious. It was when he was, you know, it was, oh, we should all be doing this and blah, blah, you know, and all that. He was doing the rah-rah stuff. And then when he's sort of quiet, normally he was talking about baseball stuff. And so I see this could happen. This could have a real, actually, I think it could be a real positive because, A, I, I wrote about this at some length yesterday. Uh, managers, as although Japanese uh, baseball culture says managers win games. 
It's managing genius that wins games. It's really not. You know, it's having, you know, managers, basically players win games and managers are there to not take the rug out from underneath them. Managers are there to to, to have a long-term view and let the players grow into whatever they can be. And, and Shinjo said, I think, very accurately, it used to be the case that some players and managers stunted, uh, you know, players' mental growth. And... I can see areas where he might stunt players' growth, like if he doesn't if he doesn't quite understand the concept of what the strike zone is, mm-hmm. like he did as a player. Uh, and you know, perhaps his team will become guys like him. But I don't see that. I see Shinjo as a guy who says, you know, who said, "Come out and be prepared and be the best player you can be, and then we'll see." And uh, I did like that aspect. I mean, all the clown stuff was just clown stuff. Uh, I don't see him, you know, I, I could see where things could fall apart and I can see certainly that the show will be all about Shinjo, but that's not as, as Jason's, that's not a bad thing to take the pressure off the players. All right. Well, um, I saw the first maybe five minutes of the press conference and he cracked early on. He said, well, uh, more than changing my looks, I'll be changing the team. And he kind of winked and, and suggested, yes, I've had a lot of cosmetic surgery, but I'm going to stop that. And I'm going to focus on changing the team. So I thought, okay, this is, this is, this is already off the rails. And by the time I got to about 10 minutes, I'm like, this is the face of your franchise. This, this Botoxed cosmetically surgeried, tooth whitened face that's really not pretty anymore this is what you're going to put out in terms of uh, this is how we want to be as a team this is the person who's going to lead us to whatever and um i couldn't watch anymore i really i really wasn't entertained i thought it was i mean as a manager i i i don't think he's i think he knows baseball i don't have any trouble with that part of it and he even in as his in his last, I guess, year of playing with the fighters. In fact, I have a story that's on my wall that I framed uh, writing about Shinjo that uh, I've kept through the years. And uh, he won a Japan Series championship and he he walked off the field. And um, I think that was the last time he was serious and, you know, really serious about baseball. He did come back or try to come back late last year, as we talked about, in last week's show. But even all the while then, I think he was having fun. He was having fun with it. So I think he knows baseball. I'm not really worried about the baseball part. I just I, I just get concerned that I think uh, Fernando Seguino, when, we, when they were winning that championship in 2006, made a comment uh, about someone on the team or some personalities on the team. It doesn't matter what they do, blah, blah, blah. And I thought... Segi was referring. He never mentioned it. He never said it directly. But I always got the idea he was talking about Shinjo and him not being serious uh, at certain times. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 
because we've all seen the footage of him coming out of the, uh, coming down from the ceiling at South Porto. I wouldn't be surprised if he arranges to try to do that before every game with the lineup card, because <laughs> if he turns it into a farcical kind of situation, I don't think people are going to take the team seriously. But look, it's not about the manager really in the, at the end of things. It's about the team. And I think they're going to have a pretty good team next year. So I just, I hope that, uh, this, this, I don't know if this is an extremely poor life choice that the fighters have made, but we'll see. And it's going to be entertaining for sure. I just, I, I'm not sure if I want to see what's going to come next, but I'm certainly going to be watching with everybody else. So, uh, Jason, you want to stick around for fielding questions? You might as well. <laughs> oh, I'll, 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 you, you can, you compare Shinjo to Naka, uh, Nakahata. Can That's you? correct. I remember, um, I interviewed Daisuke Mira. And I asked him about like, what do you think about all this stuff that Nakahata does? And he said it's he said it's good, it's great, everybody likes it, it makes the atmosphere light light. But at the same time, at at, at a certain point when you're losing a lot of games, it gets kind of like it's a different feeling seeing the manager do all this stuff. And I wonder if the fighters will ever get if if they're not a good team, will will they get to that point of we're losing a lot of games. What are you doing? Yeah, that's, that's a good <laughs> point. We'll see. That's a good point because there's a thing in Japan where you can have a you know you can have a home run celebration. You can you can dance on one foot when you miss a pitch. You can <laughs> do the, you, you can do the hokey pokey of which is the same guy, uh, but you have to be successful to do it. And if you you're not successful and you've got an act, people get annoyed. I mean, I get annoyed with some of them anyway, just because I think they're silly. But uh, it's just me being old. Uh, but yes, and I think that's a good point. It's not a Japanese thing to have a to have an act if you're no good. And I and Shinjo was a serious player. But I think the thing with me about Shinjo was that this was a guy with a tremendous athletic ability who was very serious about baseball, but he wasn't a really very good player. You know, he had he was a guy who every game was the all-star game. Swing hard, throw hard, run fast, try to be, you know, try to play the game in an exciting way rather than a winning way. And you know he was a he was a two fifty hitter who didn't draw walks and didn't make contact enough to to use his his natural raw power. So he was a he was pretty much a, a failed experiment as a player. So uh, yeah, so his stick always struck me struck me as being a little hollow. And I think that J- your Jason your comment is spot on. Could happen that right. way. It could happen. On the other hand, it could be all about. You know, it could be all about Shinjo and, you know, but he's very serious about the players, though, in a way that Nakahata wasn't. Nakahata was like on another world. There was his world and there was baseball world. Uh, the media basically thought the Bay Stars were instantly going to win a championship because they were so taken by Nakahata's stuff that he said. Oh, he's going to turn this team around. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But they were still the same lousy team they had before. You know, Shinjo isn't going to turn the team around, but if there are players who can blossom while being left alone to, you know, and encouraged as opposed to being criticized for not be, being A, B, or C, 
then yeah, there could be some real surprises. There could be some players who are much better uh, than anybody thinks they have the right to be. Okay. All right. We got to go to fielding questions because mm-hmm. we got to get this question in. So let's go to fielding questions. All right, Jason, assuming you wanted to sit in for this and, uh, and, and chime in when you can. This is from Dan via Twitter, and he says, Hope all is well with you. I enjoy listening to the show every week. It is great to follow NPB and its players. I have a question for you. Uh, discussion point. Who is aiming to get posted this year and or has speculation about going to MLB? Is Seiya Suzuki still the biggest name and most likely player to go at this stage? And which current MPB players would you love to see play in MLB? Thanks so much and take care. So, Jim. Uh, Seiya Suzuki is still the biggest name. And he's already got posted since we saw well, that he, news this weekend. Well, so we were a week late posted, on this. But he hasn't been posted yet. That's right. Yeah, then, well, that's John the announcement was made. basically reading, um, checking, checking what's been published in Japan six weeks earlier. So, uh, yes, uh, Seisuzuki is the big name. He's, he's the big fish. Uh, other guys who are interesting to note, I would say uh, Yasuaki Yamasaki was probably moving towards being posted this year. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Yikes. Because, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the thing with him is you have to ask is how much was his mother's untimely death at the age of 51 recently part of, you know, his complete and total mm. collapse? Mm. Okay, so there's that. Um, Naoya Masuda is kind of an interesting one. Uh, nobody's talking about him, but I think he's going to be on the verge uh, pretty soon. So those guys are interesting. And of course, Tomoyuki Sagano. Who's the guy I'd like to see most play in the States? Uh, well, right now, the guy I'd like to see most play in the States is about five of them, but I'll stick with Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who I expect to go in 2020, at the end of the 2024 season. Mm, okay. Jason, any ideas? Any opinions? Well, same with <clears throat> Jim um, Sagano. Well, I guess maybe give it another shot. Kodai Senga is getting there to be able to escaping SoftBank. Yep. Um, got I saw something was someone was say, saying like, uh, oh, oh, the the new manager was saying we we're gonna do our best to keep Senga in free agency this year. I'm just thinking, where is he gonna go? Because he wants to go to America, so he's not going anywhere in Japan this year. Yeah. So. Um, Senga, I, I imagine he's going to be a name. Um, I'm blanking on who else, anybody else, but um, oh, Sarah may try. I know there were some people sort of looking, kind of giving him sideways glances. I don't know, but Daichi um, Osara, the carb sideways glances. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he may he may give it a shot. I don't, maybe he won't get a contract. Maybe he won't even try, but he may give it a shot. But which would which would also mean similarly to Senga, he's gonna he would stay in Hiroshima. Um. Guy I want to see, the guy I want to see is the a guy who's not gonna to go to the majors now and that's um Yuki Yanagita and just his he got injured at the wrong time I guess basically or in his service yep. time that all yeah he got old at the wrong time <laughs> um I guess you know look around down the road and when they talk Murakami he's you know, he's good power he's getting better as a hitter um. He's number one on my list. Yeah, of guys I want to see. He's number one. It's a shame Yamada 
Although I guess he's still good at some point. I don't know. But um, Tetsuto, same Sakamoto. yeah, Tetsuto Yamada, yeah, he's, he's same number three. Sakamoto, that Hayato Sakamoto never gave it a shot. And I don't think he's ever going. He's actually he said it himself that he's not. Yep. He he said himself he's not gonna go. I think he, he said that he didn't think he was good enough. Whether he yeah. believed that or not, I don't know. But he um he's not going anywhere. So yeah, Yanagita Murakami are the guys I wish I could see in the States and oh and Yamada and Sakamoto, but that I expect, that I want to see, that I expect. Yes, yeah, like Jim said, Yamamoto, Murakami at one some point, and the, those two guys. And I don't know yeah. about Ayumi Ishikawa because he gave it a thought and then he changed his mind or whatever. So maybe he'll try again. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Munetaka is first on my list. And uh, obviously, I, I'd like to see Yamamoto. And you, you said, Jim, at the end of the 2024 season. That's, I think, will so, be his. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I want to see Noki Sasaki when he's uh, matured a little bit more. And Teruaki Sato of, of the Hanshin Tigers, I think, in time, I think he's going to get better, get stronger, be able to last uh, and produce or be efficient and productive. Yeah, throughout an entire season, he's got to do that for 140 something games before he can bump up to 162 or think about 162. So those are some of the guys I'd like to see, but I don't think it's any surprise about Suzuki. So I think uh, the next thing we have to do is kind of just uh, watch out and see what the scouts are saying about him. I I do I would see him as a guy who's probably not going to hit the home runs that he hit over here. But then again, it depends on the location. If he, you know, I I could see. The Yankees going for a guy like him because he's not just about power. He's about driving runs in and, and, and making contact and spreading the ball around. So they don't have that kind of guy. They just have mashers. So I think that's that's the, that's the kind of player that would be very uh, uh, maybe productive in that situation um, who could hit third for a, a, a contending team. But it depends on where he goes. You know, uh, we'll have to see. So I'll, I'll maybe we can have uh, one of our scout friends – come on and talk about what he looks like. But uh, my goodness, look at the time. We've got to go. But we did get to your question, Dan. Thank you very much. Dan sent it in ages ago. We never got to it. Uh, we didn't get to it quickly enough, and it yeah, got a little I mean, bit stale. He, he, but... sent, he sent that, I think, during the Heisei era. <laughs> We're not that bad. But uh, thank you again, Jason, for sitting in and uh, adding your your knowledge and dropping that knowledge uh, for the listeners and, and adding your insight. Thank you very much for staying up late. I know you like to watch football as, as do I, and I will still try to get up early and watch some, but uh, I think I'm going to try to sleep late tomorrow (laughs) since my team is playing the Sunday night game. (laughs) Uh, And thank you again, Jim. I know you had a long day as did I, anyone else who has a question, hit us up on Twitter at JBW podcast with the hashtag high heat. Send us questions via email to Y a K Y U J O H N at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page. Leave us a message, a comment, some criticism, whatever you like uh, a question as well. Look for us on iTunes. We will see you next week. Uh, maybe. I think this was the first time in history that we've had both Climax Series N on Sunday so that we could both get them both in and talk and preview the, the upcoming final stage or second stage or second round of the playoffs. So this is the first time. So no baseball tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you. See you at the ballpark and stay masked up, people. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.